Yes, praise the Lord. I'm going to read pastor's text this morning. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14. Luke 2, 8 through 14. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of hosts, of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill towards men. Lord, we praise you for what the story means for us, for what it means for the world. The greatest gift ever given by you, Jesus, that you promised in Genesis 3, fulfilled in this moment. We give you praise. I pray to help our pastor preach this word with power and liberty in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. And we want to remind you to come out at the, um, uh, the play for at 4 o'clock with all of our guests that will be here. And we want our church to interact with them. Uh, we want our church to be there to shake their hands and make them feel important because during that 4 o'clock service, it's going to be all visitors. And so we want you here if you can. We just want them to get to know the people of the church. And we're just here. Uh, we'll give up our seats if we have to. If there's more than what more people than what we have seats for, we'll give up our seats for them. But we want to be here to rub shoulders with them, to smile, to be have greeters everywhere. You can't get too much greeting. Can I have an amen? Just let them know that we appreciate them so much. We appreciate all of what you've done for me and my family. I, did, I want to take just a few moments to say thank you for your generous Christmas gifts. It's so much appreciated. Um, we're just overwhelmed every year by your generosity and your goodness. And my wife and I, and on behalf of our family, we want to thank each and every one of you humbly. We don't deserve it, but you're just overwhelm, overwhelm us with blessing, and we thank you for it. I want to get right into the word of the Lord this morning. I want us to focus our attention on the proclamation that the angel made to the shepherds here for just a second. It was a proclamation actually of the gospel. It was an introduction to the gospel because how many knows that Jesus Christ is the gospel? It was a revealing that which was to be made known and it was revealing that which long had been waited for by the Jewish people. We also are to proclaim us as believers the glorious gospel. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 through 20, the great commission. Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the world. And then we have Mark 16 and 15 that says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let everyone hear the gospel. As the angel proclaimed the gospel, even so are we to proclaim it as the believers as well. I want us to look at the five elements or the five provisions and the five promises of the proclamation. Notice what the gospel has to offer. Look at its effects and see its power. There's power in the gospel 
gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at the first provision. The angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you great tidings which shall be unto all people. Notice the words, fear not. Did you know the gospel of Jesus Christ dispels fear? It illuminates fear, I mean eliminates fear, and it drives fear out and replaces it with faith. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans 10 and 17 that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more of the gospel that we hear, the more the word of God that we read, the more faith is inspired in our life. And the more faith that comes in our life, the less fear and the less doubt that you and I will have. I want you to understand that the gospel destroys fear, that holds people into captivity, and it produces hope and it instills, uh, it produces love and it instills hope. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. How many are glad that you can overcome fear here today? First of all, I want to bind every spirit of fear that's in this building this morning. We come in here, and a lot of times we're heavy laden because of this set of circumstances that's happened this week. We hear things on the news. We see things in our family that went wrong, and all of a sudden, this fear grips our heart. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but there's someone here that's got a wayward son or a wayward daughter. I don't know which one it is, and their lifestyle is not the way that you want it, and you've almost given up, and you're almost wanting to start patronizing that lifestyle in order to be able to win that child. But the Lord says, just keep hanging on and proclaim the gospel. They're about to soon change and come back into the fold. I want you to understand that the gospel takes away fear. Some of you are sitting around and saying nothing will ever change. This is the way it's always going to be. And fear has gripped your heart and it's overcome you and you have lost your faith. But I'm here to tell you by the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you do not have to fear here today. There's power in the word of God and God has not given you a spirit of fear but of what? Love and of power and of a sound mind. After we've come to know Christ, he drives that fear out. He replaces it with love, which inspires hope. Aren't you glad you got hope? That's why Romans 5 and 5 says, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. After the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, that we are perfected in love. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear has torment. He that feareth is not perfected in love. One of the things that if we got fear in our lives, it's telling us that we're not perfected in our relationship with Christ because if we truly understood who it was that sat on the throne of our heart and who it was that's watching over us and who it is that is with us, I want you to understand there would be no fear. If you truly understand the person that lives and resides inside of you, if you understood the God that you serve, you would not really have any kind of fear. The gospel claims no more fear for the believer. Do you remember when the disciples were out in the boat in the midst of the sea and the storm had came? Jesus' first words were them, fear not, it is I. Be not afraid if I'm with you, what you got to 
to be afraid about. The gospel is a gospel that liberates. It frees us from all fear. The gospel drives away the fears of man. This is why that Isaiah proclaimed in Isaiah 12, chapter 12, verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. For the Lord, he also has become my salvation. Why have I got anything to fear when God is my God? What have I got anything to do when the Lord is the Lord of my salvation? This is what David proclaimed in Psalms 118 and 6. David said, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do. me. If God's with me, what if, who can do anything against me? If, if God's with me, what have I got to fear? And then listen to what Psalms 27 and 1 says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. In whom shall I be afraid? In other words, he's saying that the Lord is the stronghold of his life. He's saying the psalmist says, I'm not the one that's strong. He is the one that's strong. It's what Paul said in my weakness. He is made strong. You know what that means? At your worst, he's still at his best. Hallelujah. So why should you fear? When you're at your very least, he's at his greatest heights. I'm here to tell you that even when you're at your lowest point, he's still high and lifted up and his train still fills the temple and he's not moved off of his holy mount. He's still your God. He's still watching over. He's still got you graven in the palm of his head and no man's able to pluck you out of his head. So you can exalt the Lord today without fear because he's got a hold of your life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the Lord. The gospel drives away fear because the second element of the gospel is it's good news. The gospel is not Fox News. Hallelujah. I'm about to preach right here. I'm, I'm, I'm really being tempted to go off somewhere. <laughs> but the angel said, fear not, for I bring you good tidings. Say good tidings. Of great joy which shall be unto all people. It's a gospel of good tidings. It's a gospel of good news. It's a gospel of good things. The gospel proclaims that it has the good will of man in mind. Listen to what Luke 2, 14 of our text said. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. That's what the gospel has in mind. It's not a gospel of fear. It's not a gospel of wrath. First Thessalonians 5 and 9, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a gospel of condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there's therefore now at this present time no more condemnation to those of us that walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. Hebrews proclaims it as a gospel of hope. Luke proclaims it as a gospel of peace. John proclaims it as a gospel of salvation. It's a gospel of good news. That's why I like James 1 and 17, that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, where there's neither variableness nor shadow of turning, that God loves us so much he can't even turn to not want to do good on our behalf. That's why Acts, uh, Acts chapter 3, or Psalms chapter 34 and 8, I'll get it out of a minute, and he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. I'm here to tell you we're serving a good God. We're because we got a good gospel, and it's a great gospel. It's a gospel of good things. It's a gospel of good tidings. Can I have an amen? <laughs> Romans 1 and 16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
for, uh, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. It is a gospel of good tidings. Listen to what Luke 18 and 1 says. And it came to pass afterwards that Jesus went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the 12 were with him. The Bible just says that Jesus went out into every city and every village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. It was good news to the people. It was light in a dark place. It was hope in in, in an angry place. The angel spoke to Zechariah and said in Luke 1 and 19, and the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I am sent to speak unto thee and to show you these glad tidings. It was the angel of the Lord that literally began to speak of the glad tidings of the coming of the Messiah that they long waited for. It was him who was going to be brought up in an obscure village in a poor, lonely manger. He would be birthed, but yet he would be the day star of heaven and he would be the king of kings and the lord of hope sprung up with Jesus Christ Acts 10 and 38 said how that God anointed him that with the Holy Ghost of a power who went around doing good doing good doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil. Can I tell you that those of you that's in this building today, that God only has good in mind for you. That's all that God has. I want you to know that God is not angry towards you. You say, but you don't understand the way things are. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how I felt. I don't care. God wants to do good things on your behalf. It don't matter who you are, where you're at, where you come from, what background you have. God loves you. His desire desire is to love you and give you good things to them that ask. He doesn't want to turn you away. He doesn't want to reject you. He don't want to treat you like a stepchild. He don't want to push you away as an orphan. No, 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 no. God is a God that wants to bring you into his bosom. Let you lay your head in his lap and let him stroke you with loving kindness because God's banner over you is love. That's the good news. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody needs to know that God loves them here this morning. (laughs) Romans 2, 4 proclaims that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Can I have an amen? I know that there were times when that dad would pull, that dad would put that away on me and I knew this boy was in trouble. Have you ever been there? And when I expected a whipping, his whippings hurt. I mean, he when he whipped, he whipped. When he disciplined, he disciplined. But I want to tell you some of the biggest whippings that I had that brought more attention to my life and made more effect to my life than any of them was the one that whenever touched me with a belt or with a whip is when he set me down and he looked at me. And he forgave me in love and he began to talk to me about my life. I want to tell you, that's what God wants to do in this building this morning. It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Why despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering? Not knowing it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance according to Romans 2.4. It's a gospel of healing and deliverance and salvation and peace. Titus proclaimed that it was a glorious gospel. Romans proclaims that it's a gospel of grace. Revelation proclaims that it's an everlasting gospel. And we can go through all the gospel and it's got uh, something to say about the wonderful tidings and the great joy of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Not only is it a gospel that disarms fear and a gospel of good news, but it's a gospel of joy. It's a gospel of joy. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Where's the joy in the house of the Lord? I'm hearing some of it. Joy is the very fruit or the evidence of the gospel. We're to enter in his gates with thanksgiving. We're in his, pray, his courts with praise. Can I have a, I can, we're to sing and we're to be glad and we're, gonna, we're to be joyful in the God of our salvation. Joy is the very fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5.22. For the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. The angel said that the gospel would bring great joy. Romans 14 and 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 12 and 3 proclaims, therefore with joy shall we draw out of the well of salvation. I don't have time to preach on that, but you remember when Jesus went to the well of the little woman, the Samaritan little woman was there and she said, he said, give me drink. She couldn't understand how that this Jewish man would ask a Samaritan woman for drink. And to coming out, he said, if you knew who it was that's asking you a drink, you would have asked me a drink, and I would give you wells of living water. And he talked about the wells of living water that would spring up into salvation. But I want you to understand, every one of us that is saved, we have an artesian well in us that we can tap into at any time. It's a forever flowing well, and it's deep within inside of us. And Isaiah said, with joy at any given time we can draw out of the wells of salvation. Nehemiah 8 and 10 said the joy of the Lord is our strength. Peter said that it's indescribable incomprehensible joy. 1 Peter 1 and 8 it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. There are many things that produces happiness in life but only the gospel can produce joy. We're happy because we got a new house. We're happy because we got a new car. We're happy because we got a kid on the way. We're happy because we got a little money. We're happy because of this. But there are many happy people in the world, but there are very few that obtains joy or have even experienced the joy of the Lord. Happiness is contingent upon circumstances. It can come, it can, it can come and go just like that. It can leave as fast as it came. You take the something away from you and it makes you unhappy. You give it back to you, it makes you happy. But joy can be found in the gospel at any time, anywhere, regardless of the circumstances, and it cannot be taken away. Second Corinthians 6 and 10, speaking of the poverty of man, as sorrow, he said, yet in the sorrowness of it, yet we're always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having absolutely nothing, yet possessing all things. In other words, what he was saying is, he's saying it don't matter that I don't have anything. When I got the joy of the Lord, I've got everything. He said it don't matter that I'm considered to be poor. I consider myself rich when I got the joy of the Lord. He's saying the joy regulates me. It's my strength. I like that old song that we used to sing. I don't know if I got the lyrics completely right, 
but it's joy, joy, joy down in my soul. The devil didn't give it to me, and the devil can't take it away. I'm here to tell you today that we've got joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Listen to what Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says. Though the fig trees shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. There shall be no herd in the stalls. You're talking about famine. You're talking about a bad time this farmer's having it. But listen to what he says in verse 17. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You know what he's saying? It isn't the corn that's my provider. It's not the meat that's my provider. It's not the fruit off the vine that's my provider. It's not all of those things that come in that's my, uh, my provider. It's not the olive oil that sustains me. It's not the flock that keeps me. He said, I'll tell you one thing. I can have joy because God is my salvation. He's the stainer and the lifter up of my hand and the keeper of my life. <laughs> Hallelujah. First Thessalonians 5, 17 says, rejoice evermore. Philippians 4 and 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Psalms 20 and 5 says, weep and endure for a moment, but joy is coming in the morning. Isaiah 61 and 3 says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness because the gospel has come to give us beauty for ashes, to give us joy for the time of mourning. Amen. This is why that Mary could proclaim and say at the proclamate, uh, at, the, at, at the, her conception, Mary said, my soul does magnify the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. This is why it is said about the shepherds as they return home after seeing the Christ child. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. It is a gospel of joy because the fourth element or the provision or promise is, it's unto all people. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be unto all people, Acts 2 and 21 and it shall come to pass that whosoever, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. First Timothy 2 and 4, God would have all men, not some men, but all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Second Peter 3 and 9, that God is not slack concerning his promise to some men count slackness, but God is long-suffering to us, not willing that any, not any should perish, but that all should come under repentance. John 3, 16, 17, for God so loved who? The world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. It was Peter in Acts 10, 38 when he seen that the Gentiles were brought into the common, uh, common faith with the Jews. He says, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons and that's why whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be uh, rich or poor, black or white, it doesn't matter. We've all been made to drink of the same spiritual drink. We drink of the same spirit. We're brothers in Christ. We're all saved by grace through faith in him. Hallelujah. The gospel disarms fear, brings good news, produces joy because it's unto all people. But the fifth and the final element is the most important. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I want us to notice the words, for unto you is born this day. This day a Savior. 
The promise of salvation isn't for tomorrow or the next day or last week, but it's for now, the present, today. I can't promise you you can be saved tomorrow. You might not be here tomorrow. Amen? But I can tell you the salvation that has saved so many in years past is the same salvation that is just as rich and glorious today as it's ever been. Hallelujah. It's an everlasting salvation. The promise of salvation isn't for tomorrow. It's for now. Salvation is not a thing of the past nor is it a thing of the future. It's a thing of, as a thing of for this present moment. This is why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 11 and 1, now faith. Say now faith. Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow's faith. Not yesterday's faith. Now faith. We're always wanting to live in the past to what God has done. Or we're wanting to live in the future of what God's going to do. Every time we preach, it's about what he's done or what he's going to do. Well, what is he doing now? Come on, somebody. It's time that we live in the present. Amen. Martha. Oh, if you would have been here four days early, my brother would have lived. In other words, you're a God of the past. Well, I told you he should live. Oh, we know he should live in the last day at the last time. You, you know, in other words, we know you're going to do some great things in the future. But right now, we got deadness on our hands. He said, yeah, but you don't understand. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. He that believeth in me, now shall he live. We didn't quit living a yesterday of what God done 15 years with us or 20 years ago in Ninth and Cedar or what God's going to do at the palace in six months from now. I'm here to tell you what God wants to do is a now word. It's right here, right now. It's available for everybody. It is a now faith that produces things hoped for that is not seen to become evident and manifested in one's life. The good news is you can have joy today. The good news is you can be, you can be freed from fear today. The good news is today is your day. Today's the day of salvation. This is why that John wrote in John 1 and 12, but as many as received him, to him gave he power to become the sons of God. Salvation is a free gift to God and to all men that believe and receive Jesus Christ right now. Salvation brings joy and peace and the promise of eternal life. Salvation frees us, liberates us, gives us hope, takes away fear. Amen? If in this life we only have, have hope, then we're all men most miserable, is what Paul said. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 says, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Romans 13, 11 says, for now our salvation is nearer than what we ever first believed. In other words, so many times we think we gotta meet a criteria. We gotta climb a step. We gotta climb a ladder. We gotta meet the conditions in order to be saved. That's the furthest thing from the truth. You can't save yourself. You can't, you can't make yourself worthy enough to be saved. Can't work it out. I've seen people, well, let me go home and work on this thing. There's no work to it. The work's done being accomplished. Jesus says it's finished. I've done it for you. All you got to do is come and bow, repent, confess your sins, and receive the wonderful gift of God. You don't have to carry around the weight and the load of your guilt. You don't have to carry around that fear that's embedded in your heart. 
The fear of what tomorrow's going to bring, the fear of what's going to happen to America, the fear of what the government's going to do, the fear of what the neighbor's going to do, the fear of all the shootings and all the drugs. I want to tell you, though the enemy come in like a flood, it'll not come nigh you. Come on, somebody. Help me preach right here. We sit around, we fear, we fret, we wring our hands, we come inside, circumstances dictate our behavior. One minute we got a frown bouncing off the uh, fr- frown, the next minute we're bouncing off the walls. It don't have to be that way. We don't have to be like a roller coaster. We don't have to be like a yo-yo. I'm here to tell you, God has called us to walk in high places and high talk. He has called us to be lifted up in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. You and I can have joy today. Would you stand with me, please? Today's your day. Today's your day. I know we got a big day ahead of us. We're just going to take a few moments right here, right now, and give you you the ability to have a good day with us. If you're confused, hurt, wounded, feeling rejected, lost, Maybe you're a believer even, but you're just finding yourself depressed, full of anxiety and worry, not sleeping good. Come on, somebody. I'm not sleeping good, but it's because the pizza I ate at midnight. (laughs) There's some reason to that. But some of you are so beat down, troublesome, heavy laden, the Bible calls it the cares of life. And they choke the very root of salvation in your life. If you're not careful, those cares of life can cause you to become unfruitful. Heavy laden, wore out, wore down. I don't want you to live like that. Today's your day. You can turn around just like that. Just like that. I'm not telling you your circumstances are going to change. They may or they may not. That has nothing to do with circumstances. It's got to do with who sits on the throne and whom you're aware of and whom you're trusting. Can I have an amen? So if you're here this morning, you're not saved, I want to give you the first opportunity to come up and we want to pray you into the kingdom of God. We love you here this morning with every eye closed and every head bowed. Those that's not saved right now in the name of Jesus that want to make Jesus their Lord, today's your day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. You may not even be here tomorrow. The Lord may come tonight. I want you to step out real fast. I'm not going to hold long. I want to give you the opportunity to be saved. This is a day of salvation for you. It's a day that it's time for you to take this thing seriously. Don't go home and try to figure it out and work it out and Try to, well, I'll do it here. Today's the day. While you're under conviction, repentance is a free gift of God. And while he's offering it to you, come running. 